What up, folks? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. Do you know what time it is? It's meat o'clock. What time is meat o'clock? All freaking day, folks. All day is meat o'clock. I'm talking about meat for breakfast, meat for lunch, meat for dinner. I like it all the ways. I like it in a pan. I like it in a van. I like it in the sky. I like it in my eye. I love meat. And that's why I love ButcherBox, because they send meat to me and to you. ButcherBox is the subscription service that delivers high-quality meat and seafood right to your doorstep. Choose from a carefully curated selection of grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, and more. And they're throwing in the grilling bundle with everyone's first order. I love a ribeye, nice and thick. I like to do the reverse sear. That's where I put it in my toaster oven, right, on a low, on a, on a wire rack, 240 for 30 minutes, and then I sear it in butter and rosemary on the cast iron after that. It is money. I did that uh, last week with the butcher box. I did a ribeye, I did a strip, and then I sliced them up for me and Hannah during meat quarantine this past week. And I love butcher box because it just gets me that meat right to the door, right there, frozen and ready to go. I just take it, it's there individually, like vacuum sealed. All you gotta do is like earlier in the day, like noon, take it out the freezer, put it on my granite countertop on my kitchen, and then by the time it is uh, start, start cooking time, the thing has come to room temperature and it's ready to cook. ButcherBox meat has no antibiotics or added hormones. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen for convenience, so you can save time on your next grocery store trip. You can customize your own box or go with one of their pre-made boxes. Either way, you get exactly what you want. The beef is 100% grass-fed, free-range, organic chicken, the pork-raised, crate-free, and the seafood is wild caught. It's an unbeatable value at less than $6 per meal on average. So kick off grilling season right with ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com tire and get a free grilling bundle in your first order. What is a grilling bundle? It's two 10-ounce ribeyes, five pounds of chicken drumsticks, and a pack of burgers for free. That's like a lot of meat. Two 10-ounce ribeyes, five pounds of chicken and drumsticks, and a pack of burgers for free at butcherbox.com slash tire to claim this deal. Are you a home mechanic, home wrench, home body man maybe? You ever try to do body work on your own car? I haven't, but if you did, you would probably want to go with Evercoat Body Shop products. Some, you know, you don't need to be a pro. This stuff is easy. Right, you, if you just because you're not a pro doesn't mean you don't want to use what the professionals are using. Evercoat is the number one brand preferred by professionals. Evercoat Body Shop products—they're easy to use, right? Whether you're a pro or a DIYer, they've got a ton of products, and one is gonna be right for your project. Evercoat works great on steel, fiberglass, other substrates, and there's just three easy steps: prep, fill and sand. The perfect mix guide makes it easy to get the right ratio of filler and cream hardener. It dries in only about 15 minutes. It sands up to 50% faster than the competition, giving you a flawless finish. 
Evercoat Body Shop takes the guesswork out of body work, and it's available at Advance Auto Parts stores, so go down to Advance and ask for it by name. There's Advance Auto Parts right by me. I was in it just yesterday. Ask for Advance, ask for Evercoat Body Shop at Advance Auto Parts stores today. Get that project in your garage finished ASAP. And then when you're out driving that car, it can be easy to lose focus or feel exhausted, and then a single mistake can cost a lot. But with the newest Blackview driver monitoring system dash cams, you can stay safe and on the road. Introducing the Blackview AI-powered driver monitoring system lineup. The Blackview driver monitor camera DMC200 is available with a choice of three road-facing cameras featuring 4K full HD recording or built-in LTE. All models support cloud connectivity, making them compatible with the Blackview cloud and fleet tracking services. The driver monitoring camera is designed to reliably detect a range of driver behaviors in diverse circumstances. The DMC200 can accurately recognize drowsiness, distraction patterns, and more. In the case of drowsiness, which is the most critical status to track, the camera includes two alert levels. In addition to the real-time alerts, including beep sound and blinking LEDs, the DMC200 generates notifications and driving reports as long as the camera is connected to the Blackview cloud. But that's not all. While the driver monitoring features are the DMC camera's main focus, the wild wide field of view and the image quality of the infrared camera sporting a Sony Starvis sensor make a great option to record the interior of the vehicle as well. Blackview driver monitoring system dash cams are making sure you get to your destination safely. So go to blackview.com TST that's B-L-A-C-K-V-U-E dot com slash T-S-T to learn more about the Blackview DMS dash cam lineup. Use the promo code TIRE, T-I-R-E, to get 10% off any Blackview dash cam and free shipping for orders over $200 at Blackview, B-L-A-C-K-V-U-E dot com slash T-S-T to learn more about the Blackview dash cam lineup. Blackview.com slash T-S-T. And of course, if you want to get on the action, get in on the Smoking Tire podcast, support your show, and get added features and bonuses, uh, Patreon is where it's at. Patreon.com slash The Smoking Tire Podcast is where you can listen to our live stream, ask questions to us for the crew shows and of our guests. You can get the show rather than on the Tuesday-Thursday schedule, get it the very day that it's recorded. You can even get an extra, you get an ad-free, you don't have to listen to these, this whole ad, you wouldn't even be hearing it right now. If this was on, if you were a patron, you wouldn't literally be listening to this ad right now. And of course, get a ninth podcast every month, an extra show just for being a patron. Go to patreon.com slash the smoking tire podcast to join today. All right, folks, on this episode of the podcast, Mike Spinelli is calling in from his new Rochelle closet. He's got the vid. Got it at the Super Spreader Grand Prix this past weekend in Miami. Uh, I got over the vid, having uh, got it underneath my front door because uh, the wife brought it home. Back in studio with Zach, finally. 
And uh, we are talking about, is Miami a good place for a Formula One race? Why or why not? We're talking about, does Jaguar have a future? We are talking about uh, Sebastian Vettel's uh, discussion of the fact that Miami will probably be underwater in our lifetimes. And more. We love Spinelli. He is the best radio on car radio. Uh, He writes for The Drive. He's written for everybody. And he is a funny little fucker. Mike Spinelli is on the Smoke and Tire podcast. Wow, you're in a you're in a vortex. Yeah. <laughs> you're in a, you're in one of them infinite loopity loops. I am both here and there at the same time. I am infinite. I am of uh uh, uh wait a minute, Zach. Is what? that oh is that I'm just recognize my Instagram. That's your Instagram thing. That, yeah. that is your Instagram. I am infinite. I am like a sideways eight. <laughs> I am a horizontal ocho. Actually, thought of that. That's another good post grunge horizontal album. Horizontal ocho. ocho. That is very ocho. good. Yeah. That is. Oh yeah. God, am I good at naming shit? <laughs> Why did they make? Infinity, a, a horizontal eight, and someone was like, "Well, the, it still loops when it's an eight, too." They're it like, does. "No, no, no, this is different." Like, but you don't, you don't, he said, "You don't understand. This one is like this. It's just branding. It's just <laughs> Wait, because so that, was a, <laughs> that was a sublime. Sorry, that, I, I think that was a uh, a um, a sublime bootleg, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> horizontal, horizontal ocho. Horizontal ocho. Horizontal ocho is when you shoot up and pass out for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sublime. <laughs> that's called the long beach. That's oh. called taking a long beach, Ocho. <laughs> Dude, I feel inspired to do like improv today because I was listening to my new favorite podcast on the way down from the shoot, which is called Are You Garbage? Are you familiar I, with this show? Well, I am familiar through your uh, your social media. I haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet, but it. Uh, it sounds. Uh, tell me more about it. I mistakenly awesome. called it two Goombas from Queens. The other last show. It's not actually correct. Chicago. It's Philly. It's oh, South Philly. Jersey, Philly. Uh, I heard him talk about Wawa, and I, he referred to someone as Johns, and I was like, Oh, this is Philly. <laughs> this is definitely <laughs> Philly. And it's did he, and say, so, did, he, did he say ocean for ocean? Or, no, he uh, said water though. Oh, he was water, just talking water, about yeah. having a water. Yeah, water. That's why I got confused. Because so they have some other words that sound like Chicago, but yeah. it wasn't all Chicago. No, it's Philly. Uh, it's definitely there's a there's a water line. I think I, I think it starts in Delaware and it goes yeah. down just past, it's it's like right in the middle of there. You say you mean water. the water? You mean the water gap? The water gap, the Delaware water gap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that bird. God damn. It's so it's a um, gap. It's a water it's gap. The, and it's the water gap. <laughs> it's like it's like above New York. It's like the Aunt Belt. So we're yep. like above New York, you say aunt. And then all of a sudden you don't again? It's like, Where'd what? you grow up? Uh, Auntie Lake. Auntie Lake. It's like, yeah. Oh, I know where you live. That was like this morning the discussion on Are You Garbage was like, how do you know if you're really rich or really poor if you live on a lake? <laughs> it's kind of a Jeff Foxworthy bit, but it's yeah. a new one. I like it. Yeah, oldie. Oh, man. <laughs> Just saw. I've been watching Ozark. I was just finishing up Ozark. Um, did I see the rest? No, I haven't finished it yet. So don't tell me about. It. Don't don't tell me how it ends. I think yes, Spinelli and I just had a week that was like out of April 2020, where we, where we got yeah. we were the last people to get COVID and had to sit at right. home for a week. 
Well, it's well, like I said, I, I said, like, I don't want to be the last guy to get COVID. I mean, I meant like the the last guy, you know, to, out of the building. Basically, that's the, no. But like, I mean, I didn't really I didn't realize like it kind of I mean, it does suck. But even like, you know, you're 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 vaxxed up. You got all the shit, you know, and it's like it still sucks. It's not, it's not like well, just, worth, you just learned what alive. house arrest is like. It's like this yes. is what when people are like, how could how could you you're not in jail. You're in that you're in a house. You got your TV. You got your kitchen. How bad could it be? Well, it's fucking pretty boring. It sucks. Pretty boring. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. boring. I thought I was the last and then I found out that you were a couple days after me. But now right. that I'm now that I'm not a danger to humanity anymore and out and about, uh, I, 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 I found out, you know, Nino, our, our, our pal Nino, uh, who yeah. is our editor. Uh, on the drive show and uh, on all that, and now is a clothing designer and works with uh, Mark Wahlberg's production company and all that shit. He has not get gotten it still, so he's the he's really the wow. last. He's the last one standing. It must yeah, be that yeah, Sicilian yeah. I, blood and all the weed. Be. His theory is it's, <laughs> it's well. There, remember there was that study that if you that like cannabinoids somehow blocked. COVID somehow there was a thing. I mean, obviously it's the kind of thing Joe Rogan would be talking about. And I, I was going to say, I'm, I know. missed that podcast. That <laughs> no, but there was an actual, it, it was an actual study. I didn't hear yeah. about more than one study, but there, there was some kind of study linking cannabinoids to some type of resistance to COVID. Um, that's interesting. Well, yeah. that's like one of those things that like, you know, the dudes that would corny at the party and tell you about all the things that ca that <laughs> cannabis could do for you. Yeah. But that Remember one, Tommy one Chong things. cured his cancer by stubbing <laughs> ash oil up his ass? It's like that. <laughs> but but like, I mean, that one of the things I remember was that they used to use it uh, like in the 1600s for people with asthma because it increases your oxygen uptake. Oh. So. Uh, that was just one thing I remember is the oxygen uptake part. So like, you know, if you're skiing or, or jogging or something, I mean, I don't know whether like smoking a joint before that is necessarily good or bad for you. But like my, the, my dad will tell you it's itself. good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could tell you that it really makes skiing a lot more fun. <laughs> as as yeah. I remember. Yeah, I think most snowboarders from 14 to 23 that live at Breckenridge will be like, it's it's definitely for the oxygen. You know what I learned when I totally. quit smoking pot, actually, is that doing the activities that I enjoyed smoking pot before doing like athletic ish ish activities such as skiing and and golf and whatever when you stop yeah. smoking pot and switch to alcohol for those activities you get way worse at them yeah <laughs> like yeah, way yeah it's not worse. the same no yeah, it's not the same well, I we used a, to, yeah, go ahead we, we used to i mean like riding bicycles in the city like when i was in you know i was in school or, or just riding it was like you would you'd smoke a joint in central park and then like the whole ride all the way downtown felt like Tron. You know, it's yeah. like, and, and it just like felt like your 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 skills were better. Cycling and weed go together really, really well. Tom Morningstar yeah. is exemplary of that. He would fucking <laughs> he would smoke right. like seven joints and then climb a mountain on a bike. <laughs> like when he would go on his bike rides, like if I go on a bike ride, I'll do like you know, 15 miles, 18 miles, like a pretty decent, decent bike ride. And I don't have a super fast, like, road bike. I have a mountain bike. So, like, it's indecent. It's probably, like, you know, two hours of riding. S Tom would smoke, like, seven joints, get full spandexed up, 
get his fucking click-in shoes going, and then ride his carbon fiber bicycle over the Santa Monica Mountains twice. Oh, no. Like, he would oh. ride to the valley and then ride back. Yeah. Like, I was like, Tom what the Tom. fuck? And then yeah, he would Tom, stop Tom. to smoke joints on top of the mountain and then keep going. Like, wow. I, I've never understood Tom's sort of <laughs> physical prowess. And, and that, I mean, like, that kind of shit. Like, I, I went over there on a Saturday morning. I think I was picking up, like, a drive or something when he was he lived in New York. And, like, I was going over to his place. And of course, like I'm showing up Saturday morning, so I am I'm bringing food, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm bringing you know arepas, I'm bringing a bacon, egg, and cheese. I'm bringing like whatever was downstairs from him in Portchester, right? And Pocho, you know, like they have all the best shit for yeah. breakfast. So I come. It's a, bre- I it is a breakfasting town. Yeah. It's a breakfasting town. <laughs> so I show up. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you having? Uh, what are you gonna have for breakfast? I'm gonna have a joint and a beer, and I'm gonna ride my bicycle 65 miles and some tofu. Yeah, he's, he's pretty vegan. <laughs> and he was, wait, I was like, where are you going? He was like, I don't know, Connecticut somewhere. I was like, Connecticut, like where, like Richfield, like some crazy. I mean, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll, more for me. <laughs> yeah, no, he would do like a 65er. It was fucking crazy. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. In, in high school, my friends smoked pot. I didn't. And most of my friends would sit around and talk about how they hate the establishment, one of which who <laughs> then went to work for a, an investment bank. Of course. Uh, and he wore a bad religion shirt all the time. My friend Igor would leave on his mountain bike with no lights, because it'd be a full moon, and he would go ride up Empire Grade and go mountain biking down to Highway 1 and ride back. And we'd be like, well, I hope we see you in three hours. Yeah. And he's like, yes, if you don't, wait till morning, come get me. If you don't, I am probably roadkill. He, yeah, he was, he was like Tom. He's just smoking yeah. a joint and yeah. get inspired. Yeah. Um, so anyway, weed weed probably doesn't stop COVID, but it's a really good reason to smoke <laughs> a lot of started. weed. And if 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 you have to tell that to yourself, like you know, fucking knock yourself out. That's fine. No judgment. The Martha Stewart Snoop Dogg booster shot is no, just cannabis. No judgment here. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I also, I mean, on top of, uh, I also just completed my three week tour of microdosing psilocybin, which is, I think, oh, my. I have to. I have to say, I, th- I think it worked. Like, I really, I actually think it worked. I legitimately, I also cut my drinking by 85%. I, I went wow. from drinking five or six nights a week, not like getting wasted, but wine with dinner, five yeah. nights, six nights a week to one night a week. And between that and microdosing, I have had basically no self-loathing or negative thoughts about myself in probably wow. three weeks. Whoa. I've had, I had like so much anxiety when I thought I gave Marco COVID um, because his wife oh. has cancer. But yo, shout out to masks, by the way, <laughs> yeah. because Marco came with me to Phoenix in the car. We're in the Lucid for 12 hours together collectively. I wore a mask because I was scared I was going to give him COVID and that motherfucker did not get COVID. That's amazing. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Masks actually work. But other than that anxiety. That's the, that's, that's think, the whole point. And I think that that's the point that gets lost, I think, in the in the you know arguing conversation is that that's the whole point of it is that his wife is compromised or her community. Yeah. You, you know, you did that to protect that. I mean, it, and it worked. And let's just, you know, shut the fuck yeah. up about the rest of it. Yeah. Masks actually work. That's why doctors wear them. 
That's why. Like, yeah, yeah. I went to the dentist well, a couple weeks ago, where you know you have to fucking obviously they're in your mouth. You're not obviously not wearing a mask, and I'm all like, sorry, I've got to take my mask off. And they're like, oh, nobody in this office has gotten COVID ever. And I was like, right. really, nobody? She's like, yeah, we all wear fucking masks all, all day. day long. Nobody yeah. gets it. I was like, oh, yeah. that's that's. You should just tell people that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, uh, so. So I'm curious about the uh, the microdosing stuff. Um, you know, being someone who, like you, has moments of you know, self loathing, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe related to to uh, chemical use or whatnot, but whatever. But so uh, so what? It, what was that like? I mean, by the way, a shrink told me to to try this. It wasn't. I didn't just decide to try it. Like a shrink told me, and I'm yeah. not giving medical advice right now. I'm just talking about my own personal experience. So, ask your own goddamn shrinks, people. But. Um, <laughs> They, my issues were not chemical in nature. I don't, I didn't have a chemical imbalance, so they didn't, my doctor didn't think I needed Prozac or any of that kind of stuff. He said that my self-loathing issues come from how I, I taught myself to hate myself, right. <laughs> which is not, yeah. not far from the truth. That's pretty pretty accurate, actually, uh, from experiences and how I've been talking to myself for years. And right. so he said what the microdosing does is it, it, it resets your baseline. And it if, you've ha- if your baseline is fear because you've been in a war, if your baseline is trauma because you were abused if your baseline is whatever not where it should be this supposedly resets it so i did about 125 milligrams which is like a little less than a tenth of a dose of mushrooms two days on two days off for three weeks um don't, I didn't feel anything. I never got like the least bit high, never felt anything from it. Did it through my sickness. Didn't seem to affect anything else. And combined with drinking a very, very small amount of alcohol by, by comparison as yeah. um, and cutting a lot of that, I feel pretty good. That's, so like- That's amazing. I, I mean, the last time, well, the last time I, the only- I mean, real experience I have with that shit is mixing them, going to Jamaica and and buying a giant bag of them and mixing them with the daiquiris at the at the bar, <laughs> and and then that's spending the entire it. night yeah. staring at the moon. Yeah, like there was I mean, that's that. how to fucking do well, it. We, well, it was pretty amazing because we, we were like, "What the hell do we do with these things?" And and the bartender was like, "Why don't you put them in a the daiquiri, man?" And we, were like, <laughs> we got a like, blender. Well, Let's they, fucking they, spin them up, brother. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Thailand, that was on menus. Yeah, we got served them right. off a menu in Thailand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was I mean, legit. Daiquiris, the daiquiris turned like a really <laughs> weird shade of black. It yeah. turned into Huel. Like, it was a Huel. <laughs> it was the craziest. It was the craziest thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm sure the the dosage would have been a lot less than that yeah um, the key to micro dosing is that micro part it's you don't want to notice it you, if you, if you, you feel it, it you've far. eaten too much yeah 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 right um so it's not like i i'm not i'm not recommending necessarily but like 
I don't know, and I and I don't. This could it could also be total placebo. It might have done absolutely nothing. It might be just because of alcohol is a depressant, and cutting out a vast majority of the alcohol has has a much bigger effect than I thought. Um, you should read uh, the book by Michael Pollan. It's all about how psychedelics affect your brain, mm-hmm. or you can listen to like him on Joe Rogan or something. But he studied it really well, wrote like a three hundred page book. Yeah, and a lot of it is about how things like psilocybin, MDMA under under therapeutic conditions like rewire your brain in a very good way. And one of the m- most interesting things they've talked about with psilocybin is that uh, the effects of the treatment are usually noticeable and stay six months a year. Like yeah. it's not a thing where, you know, you're feeling stressed, you have a drink and you might your stress goes down for like a few hours, but then when you wake up it's back again mm. or whatever else. Like it's like these lessons that you have with yourself stick, like really at your your hardware level, yeah, and then stay with you for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, I'm out. I don't have any more. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna not do them until I can find <laughs> until right. I can find some more. <laughs> well, so what, well, what's the legal? What's the legality of them? I not mean, are they, not legal. Not. Illegal. Yeah. yeah, illegal. Illegal to buy. Illegal to possess. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, in this city, I think in Oakland they decriminalize them. In Denver, but well, we there, I'm getting ads on Instagram for something called Mind Bloom that is like a mushroom based psychology kind of program interesting i don't i don't know what the fuck is up i haven't looked at it in depth but like i gotta i gotta get the connect connecting (laughs) somehow (laughs) again but i don't know i'm gonna see uh, three weeks seems like a good starting point so we'll start there but i don't think you want to do it for like six months straight you know i yeah i mean i i I read that some people do it ongoing i read that some people do it in waves i read i don't know but three weeks seems like a good good i think it seems like a good idea to stop because then you you find out what your baseline yeah. is. If you do it for three years straight, mm-hmm. that seems like someone who's just like, I just want to keep doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's what that's how that's going. Um, how was the, uh, I want to talk about uh, the Super Spreader Grand Prix. Yes. The SSGP. Um, okay. <laughs> Boy. Um, speaking of that. <laughs> <laughs> you all right? Okay, much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Wow. So, uh, uh, okay. So I went with Aston Martin, right? I went on a junket, which was fun. Um, it was also very much where I was feeling like I didn't go. I didn't. The, the thing that I sort of regret is that I didn't go with like Red Bull and end up at all the parties and like do all the offsite stuff that was going on. Um, although I don't really regret that because like everybody I know who did that stuff, like didn't sleep ever <laughs> yeah and you I'm could either really go with an now. automaker you could go with an energy right. i would like to go with a drug dealer like i'm just go i'm gonna go on the cocaine band right now yeah. uh, well like, it seems like the there's a lot of opportunities for press for press <laughs> junkets to the miami grand prix there was a lot of that shit i mean the the one junket that everyone in my hotel seemed to be on except us was the was the uh hooker junket <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I haven't seen that many prostitutes in one place since Giuliani administration. Like it Dude. really was. So it really was uh, Monaco. It was America's Monaco. So as yeah, it really kind of was. Um, although you know, like the situation. Oh God, I hate to talk about it this way because it was really, really kind of sad, right? I mean, the the whole like. I mean, the, we're, we're talking about some very rough looking people. Um, oh really? 
That's yeah, unfortunate rough- because in Monaco, yeah. the prostitutes were all these fucking like Russian models. Right. I would not right. describe not- them as rough looking people. I would describe them as were- very well pampered yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. There, were- there was some of that. There was some of that in Miami, but like really, like there were some people that were like, holy shit, dude. I mean, get out of my life. <laughs> really, immediately. Just immediately get out of my life. Um, <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, not to, you know, not, not to judge anybody's, uh, uh, you know, not to, you know, anybody's, you know, livelihood or anything. But like, like with us, the, the minute we walked into the hotel, like three very rough hookers sort of walked in and they one was trying to find the ninth floor, was on the phone, couldn't really talk. So like there were some I mean, it was definitely like to me, it was like quaaludes, but I don't know if you can get quaaludes anymore. But like, no, that's that's how good re- they were. They're so yeah, they were right. so good that they're gone. Yeah. So the immediate, like the first impression of Miami from the point of view of the, you know the hotel was uh, was pretty hookery. I guess that's the way to put it. <laughs> um, so and then it went from there to like yeah, it was kind of like you know, mostly the uh, you know the the hotel bar was we had a pretty hookery hotel bar and it was just like you know. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I'm sure there are places like the Fena, you know, and like in 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 South Beach, where where like it's it's um it's more of the you know the higher class of hookers. Higher, yes, yeah, I guess yeah. Class stuff, yeah. It's not like there's well, a hotel in Miami during Grand Prix without any hookers. It's just what level right. of hookers are we talking about? Yeah. Um, How was the uh, track? Did you get to track walk or anything? <laughs> nice yes, le- and yes, nice I am trying turn. to get it off of it. Like, <laughs> because I watched the race and I heard, I saw a lot of people talking shit about the race. Saw a few people that were on the ground that were like, no, no, it's actually quite good. I mean, yeah, what was so your we, take? Well, we got, uh, so I went with, Lieberman was was with me. So it was we had a hysterical time, of course. Um and we got a, you know, we got the uh, the hot laps with the Pirelli team that does that, like every every race, I guess. Um, and um, yeah, so so from the passenger seat of an Aston Martin Vantage, right? It um, it seemed there, you know, it 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 was very fast uh, in the places that obviously you know are, are fast. Um, they had just fixed the pavement overnight, um, so it's hard to tell. Like, I wasn't in anything that had a kind of suspension that would let you, you know, r- reveal what was happening on the on the pavement that much. But um, yeah, fast. But there was that one that one um, chicane. I can't remember what what uh, uh, what turn it was, where if you you go into the first corner blind, you miss. If you miss it, you're too far over. The car dumps the curb, and you're out of control for the you know for the next section, which is slightly uphill and to the right. In a regular car, that was terrifying. I can't even imagine it in a Formula One car. But but to me, like I you know I mean from from that perspective, it was a pretty cool track. Now from the perspective of like you know uh, overtaking and that kind of stuff. Um, hard to say. I mean, I'm no, uh, I'm no Formula One driver, but it it certainly seemed like there were areas where there should have been more overtaking. Although well, it was the, okay, it is it. It was not like in like. So wait, the we good, could, yeah. put, sorry, Zach, put that back up. It's uh, you know, right now. Is uh, it the third, the fourteen fifteen well, complex? Yeah, thing? that's the one. Yeah, yeah, the, the right top there. right of your screen there. Yeah. Yeah. 
because you're coming into that first left uh i think fairly blind right so you have to set up for it without seeing it and then you have to hit it perfectly and it looked very uh tight and uphill and and it did remind me of some of the slower corners in monaco where it's like first gear yeah kind of seems like a throwaway corner just because there's probably not gonna be any passing there but because of the little like elevation hump because you're kind of going under a freeway um you could see the cars get a little upset there before they blast down the straightaway that's a long straightaway Jeez. But yeah. like here, the question is: What would we rather have? Would we rather have a so-so circuit in a place like Miami, not downtown, but like pretty close? You know, within what is this like? It was like five, six miles f- from downtown, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, but it, well, it was five or six miles from downtown. But when the tr- when we were coming back after uh, qualifying. It took us an hour and a half to go those. Right. Well, it was twelve. It was like twelve miles from the beach, right? So uh-huh. from, from Miami Beach. So that's an hour and a half drive in traffic. Like, so would we rather miles. that, or would we rather Coda, which is a mm-hmm. phenomenal racetrack, but is thirty miles outside of you know yeah. a city? I would rather have a decent street circuit. Because what we saw with the uh, the NASCAR event in LA is that a lot of people that went to that had never been to a race before, yeah, and like they probably wouldn't drive all the way out to Coda, and you know, I mean, well, the money's going to be equal either way, but like I think a a good street circuit that's safe and allows for passing, which this had pretty good flow, um, can be really exciting to watch, but also bring more people in. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I think people were getting too hung up on the fact that it was in a parking lot, right? It's just a massive parking lot. That photo that um, Zach just put up really emphasizes that it's a fucking yeah. parking lot. I mean, it was just like a lap around the stadium. Uh, pretty <laughs> yeah, pretty right. much. Um, yeah, pretty much, right? I mean, let's face yeah. it. It's it is a, it's a giant autocross course. It's like <laughs> Yeah. It's like, that, I mean, the downside with the street circuit is you're never going to have elevation like you will at Spa. You're never, or even I mean, Coda has like some right. Like you're just not going to have that. You could if you pick the right street, but it's very hard. I mean, it's just you got to find a city that has yeah, you know, San I mean, Francisco elevation. Yeah, like, like street like circuit in Seattle roads. would be fucking nuts. Oh my god, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, they have good, they have okay yeah. pavement. It would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, and and I think Vegas is going to be cool as shit. I mean, it's flat, obviously, but if you're actually racing down the actual strip. That's yeah. that's what like I dream of like a street circuit being, you know, like yeah. it's got to go in front of like landmarks. True. Yeah. You know, that's like well, Monaco is like a it's a cool place to race. It's also a shitty place to race. But like it goes through the fucking casino. It goes in like under the, the tunnel in front of the harbor around the pool. Like, you know, it's got yeah. all these landmarks. That's what that's what yeah. makes it sick. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. When we when we were like, you know, goofing on Miami back in the day when we were doing the show, we were talking about you know America's Monaco. That's what we were picturing more. You know, we were picturing what what they tried to do with the New Jersey circuit. Oh, look at this. Yeah, um, like I want to race down the fucking causeway, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that was what. Right, that's what would have made it. What like like Valencia almost like so yeah. where you're you know you're 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 going over the bridge and you're in the in the city. Um, you know, and that's what they were trying to go for with the. I don't know if you, you remember the New Jersey certain and weekend, right? Which is a right, right. Place. But, but like, you know, th- that's where the best view of Manhattan Island is. And yeah. right now, like when you go up to Weehawken and you're at the, on JFK Boulevard, you're up on top looking at Manhattan. It's pretty damn cool. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think Miami quite captured. I know that they tried, and I I feel like they, you know, they deserve a lot more credit than they got from snobby F1 fans um, because they put it together in whatever eighteen months or whatever, and it was a a pretty damn decent circuit for what they did. Now, yeah, could it have been better? Did they have to paint the thing and do fake, you know, the fake water? The fake, fake marina was pretty lame. I mean, that was oh, like, that was very bad. That was pretty, pretty lame. That was Disneyland. That was terrible. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I thought they well, were going to put the boats like in a lake, you know, and like make a lake. It's like it's Miami. It's not California. Like we can we can get water here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I mean, they try. I think they tried that. and It didn't work or whatever. But. The other thing about it is it was so far from the rest. It was like a 40-minute walk, like, to get there for as a spectator. So, like, it didn't really, I don't know, it didn't have any bearing on being there. It was just a place where, like, when you put the drone up, there, you, know, you see boats. Oh, wait, looked, so was the, were the were the boats not, like, in the middle of the circuit? I never really got my orientation as to the, where uh, the boats were. There was a corner. And they were yeah. on the like inland of the corner on the uh-huh. other side of the fence. There was like four of them on you know blue plywood to uh-huh. make them look like they're in the water, sort of. But that's they didn't yeah. show. Was it anyone very often. on the fucking boats? Yes. yes, there were people on the boats. Yeah. Okay, and I'm curious if they paid money to be there or not. A hundred percent, they did. If there's people there, that's that's a sold ticket for sure. Yeah, I don't know what what services they had out there though. That's a weird. That's a weird thing. I wanted to walk out there, but Blackwater dump. <laughs> Someone's just, just dumping their toilets under the plywood. Exactly. I mean, that part of it was crazy, and that, but you know, in some way, that's sort of weirdly fitting. You know, like you're going to do it because you don't have, we, you know, we don't have Pichine in in Miami. It's like you're never going to go past the pool. You're not going to go past the tobacco stand. You know, you're not going to ever do any of that stuff. And it's sort of like, do you then just forget it and make it just like put it up on blocks, or do you make it? at least feel in some sort of atmospheric way like like a real F1 race even if it's not you know sure so I don't know but I just like I mean look I'm, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking the fuck out of this you know but uh, and I and I think the the obviously the only reason we can have a race in Monaco is because they've done it for so long no if it was if you're going from zero to today no one's like I know Monaco let's <laughs> right. you know the res and the residents of Monaco without that tradition be like um eh, monsieur go fuck yourself you know? <laughs> like not exactly. a fucking not a chance yeah you know? it would be and- like Imagine the Greenwich F1. Like, where are you going to go on Greenwich Avenue and then, like, around? It's like, they, no. That would, would be a good circuit. You'd have some elevation. That would be fucking sick, actually. It would actually be the sick. The Greenwich, Connecticut. The WPGP, the White People Grand Prix. It's all <laughs> white people, baby. <laughs> I bet Miami was pretty diverse, right? Pretty it diverse was. diverse yeah. crowd. It really yeah. was. It was a pretty diverse crowd. And, and, like, and it was not a crowd that was, like, overly – I don't know. You know, I mean, we – you go to you go to France, right? You you watch you, you, like you, you go to uh, go to Italy, and it's not, you know everybody's kind of you know letting it hang out a bit. You know, it's not like it's not like everybody's in suits anyway in the rest of the yeah. country and the rest of the world. And so, you know, if, if we have uh, if we have some Florida men and, and women show up, like oh, so what? Man. That's our that's our version. And don't don't tell me Europe doesn't have those people. <laughs> they need to, they people. need to bring some of the uh, some of the flavor of the twelve hours of Sebring. 
right yeah. down to Miami, you know. The outfield that, at the 12 hours of Sebring is where it's all fucking going down. They need that instead of the boats. Instead of the <laughs> fake boats, you need RVs. That is, that is so true, right? There were Where were the guys with the, who built the hot, the giant hot tub or, <laughs> yeah. like, sitting on the on Yeah, the like, why aren't of, there, like, those swamp trucks? <laughs> like, no. what? like right. you could build a fucking mud pit in this parking lot. Let's get down. Like, let's get well, some Florida in this bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Central Florida is a That's the thing. It's the difference between Central Florida and, and, and the coast. <laughs> yeah, the Orlando GP is going to have a completely different crowd. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but where do you Ring- see the Gainesville race, bro? It's gonna be off the fucking chain. Oh man, Panama Beach, Panama Beach, right? Was like do like oh yeah, panhand- the Panhandle Grand Prix. We joke. Meanwhile, the da- like Daytona is that it yeah. has like multiple prestigious races. True, it's like right. super super trashy. Oh yeah, so, so yeah, I mean it was cool. I think I think the crowd, um, you know, and of course, like I was in I was in the suite, so I didn't really get to see a whole lot of uh, the crowd. But we, you know, we we got around a bit, and um, and yeah, the the crowd is the crowd, you know, and, and that's a, that's the cool thing is it wasn't overly it wasn't like going to the U.S. Open, you know what I mean? Like yes, yeah. <laughs> like where it's like yeah, you know, there's gonna be like thirty dollars sushi there, and everybody's gonna wear their you know their polo shirts and whatnot. Um, it wasn't like that, which was good. Well, I actually, I mean, not that Miami's always an affordable city, but like when I went to Monaco, you know, the the race is the fucking thing, right? It's such a small place and the race is so taking over everything that every restaurant has a special Grand Prix menu that's like a right. super fuck you in the ass price for a pizza, you know. It's and served all, on a carbon fiber and it's plate. Just, yeah, I mean, and they're all just laughing at you the whole time, you know. At least Miami is like a big enough place where... You know, the fact that the race is there, it's not every restaurant and every hotel and every cab driver is going to change their entire business model just to fuck you because you're there for the for the race. The, you the know? gentleman yeah. driver's omakase, which is like, it's a $10 million dining <laughs> experience. And the sushi won't we be We call that it a stroll. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have three sushi strolls, please. <laughs> California stroll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and you got to uh, interview Seb, which is pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, you know, that, that was when you go down with the with the team, you know, they always give you a few minutes um, uh, with the with the driver. And, and Seb, you know, the great thing about about him was that normally you would just get like I went down with uh, I, I went down with like Red Bull to Coda one year. And it was like when Ricardo was on the team and we got him and. Uh, and Horner was there and Horner's always kind of fun. Like he, he, like when he's in the mood, I guess. Right. So you get a little of that, but you don't really get any stories. You don't get a, a whole lot to, to work with. Seb rolls in and he's like, I'm talking about climate change. Fuck everything <laughs> he's else. He's like, next year we're going to have a real lake here and it's yeah. not going to be on purpose. <laughs> Literally the first thing he said, right? Like, and I, we were like, oh shit. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so that was good. It was, it was, um, he was very, you know, he's got he's got his thing. And did you um, get one of the shirts, the underwater underwater GP shirts? I did not. He did not bring enough for for us all. So see, that's that the f- I want. I kind of want one of the shirts, dude. It's yeah. kind of a cool shirt, actually. It, it's what? really smart of him to, to to do this, right? He's got this platform, um, and he that's he believes in it, and that's uh, that's that's what he's using it for. And so. Um, 
like the you normally like for a younger, less experienced racer who didn't have one foot out the door, basically, like they would be they would be maybe kind of trying to convince them not to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I bet. They don't care. They like world champ. Maybe he's gonna renew next year. Maybe he's not. Who the hell knows? Yeah, and he's got yeah. like the fucking George Lazenby beard going on. Like you know, he doesn't. He, he's not giving a fuck, right? He exactly. Give a fuck right now. He's Seb good. Couldn't, yeah, Seb couldn't give a half a fuck right now. And yeah. and you know what? This is the probably the most fun time. You know, he's not even in a. Yeah, I mean, okay, like the team's having its its issues and. We'll see if they're in-season development, you know, like all that stuff. If they're in-season development, can can bring them up on the grid a bit. But like, even if it doesn't, this is the this is the fun part of his career. It should be like, I mean, yeah. I don't even I don't know if Raikkonen even took advantage of that the last season to like be even more nutso than he's always been. Like he should have probably used it a little more. But yeah, well but yeah, I, I mean Lewis is Lewis is having one too. He did a, his jewelry protest. He wore three watches to the right. press conference. Well, See that's how- Saturday, Saturday on, on outside of his his racing suit, you know, for the same <laughs> he thing. He did so like, Sam wore his underwear on the outside. He did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, Lu- Lewis is protesting by being like super baller. I'm gonna plug my sponsor even more. I'm gonna be this the most fashion I'm gonna be a fucking model in this shit. I'm gonna be yeah. like a jewelry model. Oh Seb is like I will wear my underwear on the outside. It's <laughs> <laughs> like underwear on the outside. Wow. He's always he's always had a little bit of that, but like when he was really, you know, when he was fighting for championships and when he was in, you know, in, in the middle of the best part of his career, yeah, you don't you don't start that shit then, you know. That's not when you do that. Well, I mean, you have he basically has tenure at this point, right? So he's yeah. established that he's very good and he can win. He's yeah. the big name driver for Aston Martin. Like all the teams that are bringing up a new driver need someone established to also go, "Hey, pay attention to our team. You know yeah. you're used to like watching this guy, and maybe he'll yeah. teach the new driver some tricks and some wisdom and stuff." But they have full who gives a fuck. I'm retiring next year. I already got my gold watch. Yeah, you know, do they just kind of do whatever they want, and which is speak their mind a bit um and he's more interesting yeah Yeah. and he's got a real fucking beatles in 1971 vibe that's going on right now holy shit man that was that that was very very specific and well you didn't catch my george lazenby joke so i thought i'd double down on it i'm sorry i went past it but yeah, no, the Lace to Be one was good, but you're right. Like Paul McCartney, 1971, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. If you ever want to listen to an amazing episode of The Dollop, the George Lazenby one is fucking beyond. <laughs> that guy, that guy lied his way into James Bond, lied his way right through being James Bond. And then as soon as he got maximally famous, he told every single one of them to go fuck themselves. It was an unbelievable story. It's so great. Incredible. It's it was. He basically yeah, fucked he, look, his he way really across the set. He really does look like set. Paul in '71. Yeah, weird land. <laughs> wow, weird I fucking land nailed that. I nailed yeah, that you one. did, man. That was that was really really specific. <laughs> the one on the bottom there with like the fur collar, like that. Yep, that's this is the, the scraggly beard. Seb right there. Yeah, the beginning yeah, of the beard. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yep. <laughs> that's fucking holy great. shit. But what's the one with the gun? Weird oh, land TV. Weird land TV. Yeah, like a bit. Oh. Oh, he's just fucking just chilling in studio about to fucking blow Ringo's head off right there. <laughs> that is weird. That's very strange. Looks like a starter pistol. Yeah, he is in a music studio, though. Those yeah. are all music stands. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You're, um, you're off beat again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're, you're off tempo. If you could get back on, we could get back to work. Did uh, did you did you uh, did you spot any interesting celebs down there in uh, at the Super Spreader um, Grand Prix? I'm trying to think, of, I don't think we did. I mean, we were hustled around a bit. We were we were pretty well managed. Um, uh, yeah, we didn't. You know, we didn't have like uh, free reign in pit in the uh, what do you call it in. Uh, not pit lane. Where 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 all the paddock. celebrities in the, the paddock? Pa- yeah, the, the paddock. The paddock lane. Yeah, the garage. Yeah. yeah, where the um, you know, most of the celebs are hanging out. Um, I like we, if yeah, you're I famous mean, enough, you don't just you don't need a pass. Stallone's yeah. just like, I don't need a pass. But you, you oh, a of course I could be here. You telling me I can't be here? Of course I could be here. I could be fucking anywhere. <laughs> it's like instant marketing. They're like, please come in. Please, yeah. please, 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 please come in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who did, what, what did we see? I mean, we saw mostly like you know, like the this the standard uh, broadcasting people. Uh, um, I thought you were gonna say like yeah, Pitbull, DJ Khaled. No, yeah, I think we saw the standard Stan- Miami people. <laughs> the standard Miami. <laughs> the standard Miami yeah. is Gloria Pitbull. Stefan and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's her name? The Titanic singer. What's her face? Celine Dion. Celine Dion. She lives yeah. down there, right? With a giant. She has a water park at her house. Probably. She does. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Celine. Um, Dexter. I don't know, that's a Dexter <laughs> joke. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was so we didn't. Yeah. I mean, I can't really. Uh, the experience I had was fairly, fairly tightly curated. So, what um, would you like to see them change for next year? Assuming Miami GP oh survives. Assuming that we do it again. Wow, I wish I had a better setup for that. All right. Um, so, Sorry, um, I was I was dropping well researched bombs on you there. No, that was really good. Yeah, that's a great question. All I that and that George Lazenby. Question. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like so, there were some organizational things like you had to, uh, like, get getting around. Like once once it let out the um the crowd, it was just so hard to get out of there. It was just so. I think they really need to work on like the human logistics of of getting people from place to place. Maybe having a couple of different, you know, other uh, gates to get in so that you're not, everybody's not just piling through to get out. Um, and just you know, I mean, that's the that's where the super spreader thing came in because like you're just on top of everybody who's there. It's like going to a concert, you know. It's like which is fine. Like I I don't know. Like speaking of which, remind me to talk about Pearl Jam and Phoenix when you're done. But go ahead, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, as far as the track goes, um, you know, maybe there are places where, um, y- y- you know, you, they could they could sort of work on um, work on places where racecraft matters more, like where I don't know where adjusting some corners and stuff. But but that for me, that's not really for me to to say. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I, I think just basic logistics incremental stuff i don't think they need to throw it out and and do a new thing i just think there's some incremental things they could they could change what have you heard matthew what have i i know you know what i i i didn't pay a lot of attention to it except uh from my friends 
social media feeds who are there. I read your Sebastian Vettel story. I read uh, Alanis King's piece, which I thought was uh, was it? No, I'm sorry. Excuse me, not Alanis. Uh, I read Elizabeth Blackstock's uh, piece, yeah. which I thought was uh, they wrote a book together. That's why I mixed them up there. But I thought that was a great perspective that I really enjoyed. Um, I read like a race recap. Um, and I read what uh, what Lewis had to say about it, and he said that based on the type of crowds that come to uh, a street circuit race in an urban environment versus the type of crowds that come to a track like a, uh, a spa or an Imola or somewhere that's like out in the middle of fucking nowhere, even if it's a great historic track, you know, he thought it was important to... Uh, bring greater diversity in crowds to the race and the street circuits and the urban environments seem to do that better than the races that are out in the middle of nowhere which makes sense Um, just like that NASCAR race at the Coliseum um, you know it was in the middle of the fucking city so of course people who had never gone would go Um, so I I think that's that's a great that's a great one and I and I think that also the cost you know, I mean, I know that everything has to be six hundred friggin' dollars, but like, I don't know. I mean, it, like, it would be great if it were more accessible to more people. Um, although, what does the thing have to cost now for it to be worth putting on? Right? I, I mean, mean, based I don't know. on what you can see, this is my experience from watching racing in person. Based on what you can see from a seat in the stands on a road course. Your ticket should not cost more than like a football game, like yeah. oh, or a yeah. basketball game, or you could see the whole game from your seat in the fucking stadium. But you see yeah. one corner of an F one race, and the ticket is four times as much. Like, yeah. how does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, there you go. You know, yeah, that should be yeah. like a forty dollar ticket. It should well, I mean, not it's, be a four hundred dollar like, ticket. It's elitism for the sake of elitism. It's like, oh, do you want to come to the most exclusive, right, high uh, high price race? You know, in the world, the, I mean, the other side of it is like they to get the Las Vegas track built, they just had to spend two hundred two hundred and forty million dollars on yeah. like a couple of square blocks, right? And they're going to use that right. as like a permanent paddock and shit. Like, I mean, that's very expensive. It's not like stadiums are cheap. But yeah, it's but it's like you yeah. know, if you build a stadium for the Bears to play, you know, they're playing there for fifty years. Yeah, true. And with this, we see F one move that's around a, good point. a lot. That's a good point. I mean, having to build a track temporarily is very expensive, but yeah. I mean. And maybe I'm making this up. Maybe it it seems to me that the broadcasting rights and stuff like that is where you should get the the TV coverage, the advertising there is uh, and the hospitalities and the corporations is where you should be drawing a lot of that that money from and not individual grandstand, you know, Mm -hmm. ticket sales. I agree. You know, well, well, you know, another thing is like. Um, wow, what is the other thing? I had it. I was ready to go with it. Got that COVID um, brain fog, son. I know. I know, how it, I know how it is. It's yeah. really bizarre. Um, no, I, I think, um, uh, yeah, man, it just went right out of my head. That's wow, okay. That's bizarre. Come back right at the wrong. It'll come back at exactly the wrong back time. At the, Totally, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that's the Spinelli variant. If I was, I would have gone. I would have happily gone to check it out myself if I hadn't bought tickets to Pearl Jam 25 months ago, and I was like, yes. I'll be fucking damned if I'm not going to these shows. And it was three shows in four nights. I did both wow. both LA shows and then Phoenix. And Phoenix, um, you know, I drove the Lucid with Marco, <laughs> which was pretty cool. You know, I did. I, we did like a thousand miles in the Lucid, which was which was nice. Um, but uh, I was 
I shit you. I, I was literally the only person wearing a mask at the Gila River Arena in fucking Phoenix. I didn't see yeah. one other person wearing a mask. And in fact, Matt Cameron, the drummer from Pearl Jam, got COVID in fucking Phoenix at that night and had to be, uh, and had missed his first show in 24 years. And at wow. their shows in Oakland, uh, the night, uh, the next two nights, they had um, substitute drummers, including was Mike was had asked me about. I think right before we started the show, uh, one dude who was like 18 years old played a few songs, <laughs> and he was yeah. a, he was a friend of Eddie's daughter Olivia. That's how oh, he wasn't a random like the 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 headlines said they had like fans come up and play, and I'm. I'm sure these people were also fans, but like yeah. just being a fan is not how they got on stage. All fans who majored <laughs> like, in drumming at Juilliard got to play. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so Matt, yeah. Matt Cameron got COVID in Phoenix, and 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 the um the shows were the shows were fucking great. But yeah, he had to he had to bow out and 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 be uh, substituted in afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So that's that was interesting because I was I saw that and I was like, man, a young sort of you know hungry drummer from you know bump you know well from oakland i guess yeah i mean what a what an opportunity but then yeah, it's, it's like wild. oh yeah <laughs> yeah I, you know uh i i have a i have an in on that so that there was yeah no there was an in it wasn't like he wasn't like a total random and i think um his band um which starts with an a and i'm blanking on it right now i like Ed had like heard of his band before, or heard something like they weren't like he wasn't like a total nobody. Um, yeah. But they also had like this dude who was like a music teacher that was like a friend of theirs, like literally just like a drum teacher from Oakland come play <laughs> a bunch too. And they they put their set lists on their Instagram, and the Oakland set lists are interesting because they have parentheses around certain songs and it says the names of the there was three substitute drummers that they rotated through uh, matt cameron well, so when matt cameron joined the band one of the they call him like fucking god one of the reasons that uh, for that is because he learned a hundred songs in two weeks that's to, insane he learned yeah he well, learned a hundred pearl jam songs in two weeks well that would to me like if, if i'm like just uh, like a uh a, a regular studio substitute drummer like the first thing is like dude you have to give me the playlist because like you're there your canon is thousands of songs deep yeah. and it's like it's I, you deep. know like how am i gonna know right the first the three shows i went to they only repeated three songs uh they repeated even flow alive and porch and in fact the third time i heard porch i was like guys it's time to substitute that one out even Flow is the only song I've heard played at all 63 shows I've been to. Uh, it's by yeah. far their most played song. Um, but there was some fucking great, great bangers they were playing during those shows. And um, I felt terrible uh, subjecting Marco to what turned out to be my COVID, but uh, but he did not get it, so I feel okay about about. There's also other COVID now. going around, so, you know. No, I know, but, like, he but was yeah. the one that I was with. Right, so, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. We got um, uh, we got a bunch of questions off our Patreon, Mike. Some of them are wow. uh, some of them some of them are fun. Let's get to a few of these. Of course, if you want to get in, get in the game. Patreon.com/slash The Smoking Tire Podcast. Uh, plans as low as three dollars a month. Uh, the Pro Driver uh, plan, which is our most popular plan. 
gets you no ads. It gets you access to the live show, access to the questions. You get the show right away. You don't have to wait till Tuesday, Thursday, and you get a ninth show every month. You get an extra show. Um, all right, Prashawn says, Mike, as a former Jaguar owner, what do you think of the current state of the brand? Oh, did you dump your Jag? Oh, no, no, no. I still have it. Oh, okay. Oh, no. What's the... God damn. You know, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to survive. To be honest with you, there's no real reason right now for them to exist. And I hate to even... I hate to even say that. But the idea that a company that builds cars that has a hundred and something year old history uh, has to exist, that's not a thing. It doesn't yeah, have to exist. True. You know, it's a damn shame. Um I, I, I think I mean, they've got the F-Type is a nice product, and the F-Pace SVR was a really nice product. Yeah. That thing ripped. Yeah. It was, but, like, if we see the fade of super powerful heavy SUVs mm. due to whatever, you know, climate fuel, et cetera, it's like, well, if that was their game and the powerful coupes was their game. Might be an issue. Know, pivot, yeah. yeah. Might be an issue. Well, I mean, Alfa Romeo is going through the same thing, right? I mean, do these yeah. do these storied brands need to exist? Uh, you know what? Like, I, I I'm sort of in the middle of trying to figure out what brands are going to mean in the auto industry in the next thirty right thirty years. That's how that's what I'm I'm sort of um, I've been thinking a lot about that, and I've been thinking a lot about brands like Jaguar and and like um, like Alfa Romeo, which mean something. But but that's not enough anymore. Like that's really not enough. It doesn't have to mean you know. Like Land Rover is doing great, right? So why does Jaguar have to exist? And and uh, unless you can come up with a compelling product, and and how impossible it does that sound right now to to out of like nowhere come up with a compelling product? Um, I don't know. I yeah. I don't that's know. I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I mean, I think an, an amazing second gen of the F type could do it. Um, an amazing I mean, second gen. Well, well, maybe I mean, not. I don't know. It depends on how many vendors they, they sell. They need to sell more than that, right? They're such a big company. They need to sell yeah. more than just like a niche sports car coupe, yeah. which is what they're good at. And it seems like for decades, like 80 years, there was a lot of space. In, you know, in the market, so you could have these like the MG and the Jaguar, like a lot of small brands selling special things. But as the cars get less and less different, then people will choose the more reliable, you know, larger yeah. company thing, and those companies can put more R and D in. It's like I think you make a good point, Mike. Like we want these companies to exist because we love what they've done in the past. Right. But do they yeah. have to? Like nothing has to exist. Right. Nothing has to exist. And look at you know to to be honest, like look at how good Volkswagen is at harnessing the talent that it has. Right. Like look at the Volkswagen brands. Like all of them are. I mean, look at Porsche, right? Porsche is going to eventually, you know, have an IPO. It's going to be its own company. They're going to be able to support themselves. They've always been able to support themselves. Except and in the late 90s. Except in the late 90s, right? <laughs> exactly when, yeah, that moment, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't buy a 968. Actually, buy every 968. <laughs> no, right 968s now. are coming up right now, unfortunately. Yeah. They yeah. Damn it. They're great uh, until anyway. you got to fix them. The parts are insanely parts. expensive oh. for 968s. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm having trouble finding just the Brembos for the for my Jack. Like, I, it's hard to find anything right now. Really? Oh. Um, yeah. Mm. But um, but yeah, no. I mean, the whole point is like, you know, it, it, a company is it's very 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 hard 
for a company to exist without an organization behind it, whether it's Tesla, whether it's Volkswagen, whether it's GM or Ford, that that gets the brand and can do something with it. I mean, Tata, sure. you know, Tata's a, a, a fine company in what it does, but like, you know, um, Land Rover has the organization. Jag, uh, you know, I mean, it's not, not to offend any of the people that work there, but like, I, maybe they just don't, you know? Yeah, that's fair. It's fair. Uh, Sean says, uh, Mike, what is the best road trip you've ever taken? Oh, geez. It had to have been one that we did uh, at some point. Uh, one the of the Drive NBC Sports ones. Morocco was yeah. one of my favorites because you almost got arrested. Yeah, I think. And, Mor- well, I was just you know, telling a story. That was amazing. That the, the the Morocco was amazing because the whole thing of it, like the fact that we did it with a Maserati uh, Gran Turismo convertible, right? Because as it turns out, <laughs> no, you know, like as it turns out, like the royal family owns the distribution uh, of of Maserati, so that's I'm 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 I don't know for a fact, but I can I'm inferring that the reason why we got that car and couldn't get other cars was that the there was some oh. thumb on the scale getting that car. But so I was driving around in the in the Maserati Gran Turismo, which, you know, it has its it has its thing. It's not a great car. It's it's dated and, and the platform's nuts, but it sounds great. And, you, you know, you're driving it around. But but do you remember the first stop that JF spilled his like lunch? All oh, over yeah. The back of it? Curry. And he refused hey, curry. <laughs> curry. Like, <there's> curry <laughs> in the all over the back of it. And, and JF Oily. wouldn't let yeah, and he wouldn't let me clean oh, it because he thought that would be like a funny joke, uh, like for the show. And I'm no, like, yeah. that's terrible not a writing. Funny joke. <laughs> that's <laughs> disgusting. That's not a funny well, joke. Well, it turned into glue. So it's a we funny drove down joke. The road, like if you all if the there's dust, video of you actually spilling right, it, which we didn't it was have, just there all of a sudden. Then it's just gross. So then the rest of the car yeah. was like white, but a little dusty. But there was this absolute yeah, yeah. outline like Alaska yeah, that yeah. was just oh, that's where all the oil went, yeah. dude. Dude, that that drove me crazy the entire trip. I like I was looking at that, going, I want, I I, I was trying to find a place to clean it, but we, you know, they, <laughs> so like, we quick. Couldn't. Like we're in Marrakesh. Like, where yeah. the hell are we going to find a place to clean it? Um, but the <laughs> cops, dude, the cops part of it, like having to bribe everybody uh, was incredibly funny. Um, so the one, the one, I obviously, like the, the, the funniest story and the one that was the most insane was that we're, I'm following JF, and I don't know if you were in that. So, so basically the whole thing was the whole road trip, we're driving around Morocco, and uh JF and you guys are in the front and I'm following. And what would happen is you stop at a toll and we do this all over the place. But like, like the first car has all the money that you guys pay the toll. And then we drive through what I, and I just had like, I don't know, I had like one of my sort of where my brain kind of goes in an opposite direction. I'm, I'm watching them pay the toll. And then the, 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 uh, the thing opens up the, (laughs) And I just I follow you guys right through the toll and I didn't wait for it to come back down and come back up so that I could then pull up and go. And the guy would say, yes, he paid. You can go. I just motored right through <laughs> like on the heels of JF's minivan and just followed them out. And and the cop like looked at me like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, get you know, get over. Right. <laughs> just just pull over the fuck over over there, you idiot. And we get over, and he's like, "You're going to jail." And I'm like, "What?" 
I'm he's like, you're going straight to jail. Get out of the car. You're going into, you know, you, you, you stole your toll. And I was like, no, he paid. He was like, no, he didn't. I saw you go right through and steal the toll. And now you're going to jail and there's nothing you can do about it. And we were like, <laughs> I was like you got to be kidding me. I'm going to a Moroccan jail for like a dollar fifty. And, and I'm like, wow, you know, I saw I, I was trying to think of like, like I saw Midnight Express many years ago, but that was Turkish. Not that there's anything to you know what I'm saying? But like so I'm like, of course, my I, my. I'm panicking. I'm, I'm going to. Yep. I'm going to a. I'm going to. <laughs> like, wait till they find my drugs in the bag. Then it's really going to be. <laughs> Spinelli was very nervous for yeah. very real reasons. Then it took. I was real it, nervous. It took 15 minutes of our uh, DP Will, who speaks fluent French, which they a lot of yeah. you know uh, Morocco speaks, to go talk to this guy to explain in great detail what had happened and like the toll gate person had approved. Like, yes, he paid for two cars, but the gate didn't go down. And and Will comes back over and he's like, we're okay, we can leave. And Jeff's like, he's not happy, is he? And Will's like, he is not happy. Like, <laughs> that, that guy was fucking pissed. Actually, you know why he was pissed? Because we didn't offer him any money. So That's what we should have, here's true. what we should have done. We should have, yes. Will, you should have said, how much do you want for the toll? <laughs> How much is the is the fine, right? Yeah, so yeah. We should have gone. Well, because we all so got speeding we... tickets the last day, uh, like oh, three man. blocks from the ferry, and they <laughs> they have a system. There's a van. Basically, they guy shooting radar. He points. You pull over. He walks up. He has the gun on like the thumbnail up, yeah. and he goes, "See, that's you." That's your speed. Like, you can't argue. No discussion. He goes, that's it. He brings you over to a van. They open a door. There's two guys with desks. They write up tickets. They hand them to you. And they go, where are you going back to? And you're like, Spain. And they go, mm, mm, 200 for all three. And you go, $200 for all three of us. They go, yeah. And you hand it to them. And they smile like they just got blowjobs. Yeah. And they go, have a great trip. Like, yeah. Well, what, yeah. sweet. exactly. One thing you're forgetting on that one is that we, so we, <laughs> that was like a, a boss hog. Uh, <laughs> like it. We were coming down. It was like from 65 to 30, yeah, and they were like two feet into the 30. Uh -huh. So we immediately got pulled over. So we we, we pull over, and um, and and same thing though because he's got the van. He got the prison van, like the van with the cage on the inside. True. That's like we were like, well, fuck. And then uh, so we're talking to him, and and we finally said we're with NBC Sports, and he went, ah, NBC Sports. $200. <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and then you the just cut, we, like, can we just cut straight to that part? How do we give you the fucking money? If I could take care of this right here, yeah. right. that'd be great. <laughs> so, what do we can do? Right but here in Brainerd. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just saying. <laughs> but what the cool, the cool thing was, was like, he showed us the, he showed us the picture of us on the gun, like with the little screen. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. And I was like, we don't have that in America. He goes, you don't have that in America. I said, no, dude, we need something like this. And he was like, oh, I show you this. is He's like, Five hundred. You yeah, take this take one. Gun. It, was like, <laughs> it was like seven twenty p. He's like, "That's yeah. you guys." And there's that's the speed. Yeah, oh, we're fuck. like, "That's sure as shit is us." Yeah. Yeah. It, and and so yeah, so that was two hundred. But going back, so like, the guy at the toll booth, we finally got to the point where we were offering him money. But but there's a there's a sort of dance that has to happen. Like they have to express how angry they are, right? So there's yeah. like this. They got, you got to give them some time to be pissed off and like tell you that you're dead. They're basically going to shoot you in, in the in the prison, whatever. Uh, or, or at least that's that's going on. And then you get to the point where what do you think about that? And then we have to say then, 
Um, so is what's the fine for something like that? Then you give him the opportunity to yeah to, to yeah. throw out the, the 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 dollar figure, and then you could say, listen, I only have x you know like 80 bucks instead of yeah, two yeah. uh would that work and they go no 120 and then you're and then you're in um <laughs> it, but, it's an auction in reverse is what yeah, ends up happening yeah. we yeah, didn't yeah. well we didn't know how to do that like we weren't really ready for that we should like the guys were, it's, it's really nice uniform white gloves and you know the whole thing um we just didn't didn't handle it the way that with white gloves in another world that guy's bringing you up. fucking breakfast right right <laughs> you know? yeah. it's actually in that, in that world yeah no in that world just in another part in of town on his other shift right. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man we had a great time we, and nonetheless like we had a, we still had a great time it was a great road trip um i don't know if that's my best road trip i think that one of the one of the colorado ones may have been um that was that was great too but but like the stuff that we when we were driving around uh we were driving around uh germany once in three different cars like we've had a lot of really cool road trips yeah we got tv's fun and kevin uh, kevin says any chance we can get another uh another round of drive on nbc sports or a show like that i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> doesn't well, seem doesn't yeah. seem likely I feel like the I feel like the media. Well, the, the, I think everything's moved on from that. I feel like there's a. I don't know. Uh, the, the the whole streaming thing. I'm sort of watching the the Netflix. Um, I guess if you're in Hollywood, it's a debacle. If you're not, it's just you're just watching their stock drop and try to figure out what the deal is. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I I feel like that the idea of doing a show like that on television doesn't really it doesn't really exist and i guess we're gonna have to see what happens to motor trend uh, uh yeah you know s vod now that they're part of uh warner and whether they're gonna keep it like that or what i i, I had a i had a meeting uh the other day virtual because i was stuck at home but with uh with a production company that has a very long track record of producing non-fiction stuff and was very interested in filming a pilot for a show with myself and Zach uh, that was uh, that I completely forgot to tell you about. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> Zach. I completely forgot to tell you about it. Um, and, uh, the, you know, I don't, you know, who knows it's going to go anywhere. It's just a conversation. But they were interested, and I was like, look, this, you know, making shit about cars costs money, and we they said we know and we understand, and, you know, and so, so I... There, there's an opportunity, maybe, but but it's um, that the era of the magazine style car show, I think, is is yeah. probably been eclipsed by all the talent on YouTube and, yeah. and whatever. Um, yeah, the talent on YouTube. See, that's the thing. Um, the other thing is that the way that the way that television shows uh, find their way to big media now is different. So, like. In software, right, there's a thing called the minimum viable product where you start out with something very small and you see you, you give it to people and limited usability and then they, they use it and they figure out what it's going to be. And then they then you go, oh, OK, this is what this product is. Maybe it's not the same product that I sent yeah. out there, but but then you iterate, and you make it different, you make it better. That's the way it's, speaking of of YouTube, right? That's the way that TV is being made. You have somebody who 
you know, starts out small, starts out as a minimum viable product, you know, if you want to use that terminology. And they and they get better at their thing and they they build an audience and whether it's on Substack or there's a mostly YouTube or whatnot and they get an audience and then you walk into video with an audience uh, ready to go and um, now you've got something that's worth spending some money on. Um, you know, if you think that that audience can tra be transported over to TV, which a lot of times it, it can't be. Yeah. So yeah. it's much more complex. It's much just a much more complicated scene now. Instead of like, hey, we have uh, we bought a bunch of motorsports rights, and we need to come up with some programming to throw up against it, which is what NBC did with us. Yeah. Um, why don't you do a, a show? We know that you guys can do things fairly cheaply. Um, why don't you do a show for us that will end up being shoulder programming? I mean, that has its that has its use, but it's not it's very different from shows that air, you know, uh, yeah. every season or, or, or mm -hmm. whatever. We were really just a shoulder show for their other motorsport stuff. Yeah, so that's different. Yeah. Uh, Jack says, uh, I work for Lucid in Vancouver and curious to what you think Lucid and other EV startups need to do to stick around for more than just a few model years. Wow. I mean, your cars need to be real cars, right? They need to like work. They need to not be annoying. You know, the, the early adopter thing only gets you so far. Mm -hmm. It gets you your first round of sales, and then that's it. You need to have good service. You need to have knowledgeable people. You know, if something goes wrong, you need to make sure that gets resolved quickly. You need to be able to get parts if one of them, you know, if you, someone has a crash, you need to be able to get fucking, make enough body panels right. so that they can get service one. Service in a timely manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it can't just be a novelty. It's got to be a, a real car, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the thing that gets lost in a lot of um, the the success of Tesla, right? I mean, Tesla started. Tesla was the minimum viable product of cars, right? I mean, it started out, and and they've been able to use software to improve it, and they've they've improved their their production techniques. But but building a car is really freaking tough, and that's where like you you know you can be somebody who hates traditional uh, car companies because they're not on board with you know, with with EVs enough to your liking, right? I mean, that was the whole point of of the Tesla stance was that, you know, like, screw these guys, we're going to build our own car kind of thing. Well, as it turns out, you know, Volkswagen and Ford and GM are really good at managing the minutia and and hell, uh, as Elon Musk says, the hell of building cars. So so that's the thing is like, unless we ever get to a model where you have a Foxconn or a or Magna, building mm. cars for you know brands that basically manage software yeah. we're not there and if you're going to be a car company you've got to manage the hell of building cars and yeah. that's really the whole business yeah that's a good good answer uh martin says uh press launches from the past that you missed back in the day and oh. wish you went to <laughs> there was a bu I heard about a bunch of crazy shit with Mercedes yeah. in the mid 2000s mm -hmm. that I was not at but there was yeah. drugs and prostitutes and all kinds of fucking insanity that that I was I was before I started doing the gig never never did it. The best one I ever went to was 2013 Range Rover launch. They rented Amanjiri in Utah for a week. The oh. entire 
Resort, which I later stayed at with my wife, and I could only afford to stay there for two nights because it is thousands of dollars a night per room, and they rented the whole place out. Um, yeah. And that was baller as fuck. Uh, yeah. those, those Mercedes, I mean, honestly, those Mercedes events. You were, were there for epic. those Mercedes ones. I, I, you know, I wasn't there for a lot of them because I was there for, so when, when, at, when that stuff was happening, I got in just at the end, but I was going to most of the AMG stuff because of zero to 60. Mm. And so I knew more about the AMG stuff. So the one that I missed that I really wish I could have gone on, even though at the time it was kind of scary was I forgot was this, I don't know if it was the CLS AMG where um, they were in Spain and they, they almost, and this is not like a, a baller move but like they almost impounded all the cars for speed <laughs> like, and, and they they corralled them all and i don't remember the whole story but like there was a point where the spanish government almost took like 30 or 20 <laughs> I heard uh, that story. AMG, amg cars like yeah, that, yeah. that must have been that must have been amazing like i yeah. love that stuff where like there's a story yeah i mean I, you know uh other ones that i didn't go on like you know BMW did one to at a, a really remote resort in Mexico that I heard was kind of epic, but for because it was such a difficult kind of crazy trip um, where there was some sort of bush airplane uh, escapes <laughs> from. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there, I, I, I haven't, I haven't gone on um, the ones that I think he's talking about. All right, Christian wants to know how he did on his used car purchase. He got a 2016 Volvo V60 Polestar, 26,000 miles, paid 38 grand, got a PPI. Affirm or deny his life choice? I mean, it's not bad. Um, I, I'm, you know, my wife had a V60 uh, R design with the Polestar tune. It didn't have the Olins and the mm -hmm. big brakes, but it was still a very nice car. Um, as a daily driver, it's a nice car. Very nice car. Yeah. How, what are those new? What's the sticker on that? Back this hers like was fifty five, and right. that proper Polestar with the Olins was like in the mid sixties. Um, the, the gearbox felt kind of old and clunky. Slush box auto six speed, and and the multimedia interface was aging oh, by yeah. the time we got ours. But uh, but not a bad car, not a bad car. Thirty eight grand. It's a cool enthusiast car. I think given today's pricing, that's good. And my dad had one of those, and he drove it to like one hundred fifty thousand miles with pretty minimal problems. Yeah. So like, I think you got a good, reliable, stylish cruiser. It's just not the most advanced thing out there. Yeah, not bad. Um, Steve, this is a very long question from Steve. Uh, what would you charge per day for an all inclusive driving tour? That depends on a lot. Well, so Steve wrote this question. He wrote, what would you per day? And I went and I asked him. He didn't respond. I was like, is he asking what we'd pay or what like, we would charge? I work for Road and Track so and we have all-inclusive yeah. driving tours. Like we just did the route to Vine and it was three days and three nights and it was wine country and it was food and it was wine tasting and it was all that shit. And it was like 7500 bucks for a couple. Like that—that's pretty much what it costs. Like, what would I charge? Like, I don't know. Maybe probably like five, four or five grand a day. Maybe. Well, where where would you go? Like, would he like? I mean, that's the thing. Like, that would be kind of fun. Well, this dude—I don't know what fuck. Oh, this dude's talking about Portugal. 
So Whoa. like this guy is talking about his he said he said in, in early retirement to Portugal and something. Oh, is he asking about him owning a business? I don't know. He didn't clarify. I mean, I asked a question. Yeah, what I I would look at. Rob Ferretti's adventure drives and what they charge, and I would look at what road and track charges for the for those events. I mean, you're you know, f- I don't know what hotels and food and all that costs right. in fucking Portugal, but and whatever the- that costs, put your time and margins on there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I don't think he's asking what I would charge. I think he wants. I think he's asking about a business idea. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay, hang on a second. Mike Manillo uh, wants to know. Where can I find a car similar to a Porsche 986, sim, a nimble analog driving experience with room for a bigger dude under $35,000? Corvettes. C6, C7 Corvettes. That's yeah. it, right? Yeah. Miata yeah. is not the answer. He's correct. Yeah, Miatas are not the answer. I mean, yeah. Tall, I mean, a tall, a tall dude, yeah. I mean, the Corvettes, I mean, just, just tighten up the dash, you know, and just keep... If there was a way to just twist everything, like a, a, a knob where you can just, as things started to rattle, you could yeah. just twist it and get everything back into into flush. Yeah, like those yeah, locking, like the locking mechanism on some snowboard boots where you just, <laughs> oh, yes, you just exactly. crank that shit <laughs> right, up. Right, right, right. The bo- yeah. uh, bolo thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Corvettes, dude. C6, Corvette. C7 Corvettes. That's where you're looking. Um, okay, hang on. Uh, no, no, no. Come on. Uh, Sean Finney, ultimate isolation chamber cars for under 50,000, new or used, nothing electric. Isolation chamber. Isolation chamber. Lexus LS, right? It's got to be the LS. Yeah. Right? Um, The the nicest nicest LS you could find? LS. You know, they still make Yeah. (laughs) They do. Well, the new one is on- uh, The new one is the LS 500. Yes, it's got the twin turbo the late- engine now. Yeah, have you seen the latest uh, uh, latest season of Billions? It's on there. And no, like, they lost well, me when like- Axe left. When when it was no longer Axe, I kind of was like, I kind of lost the plot on that. Literally. Yeah, it, I feel like the writing is a little better this season, but like, but they, but all of a sudden, like, there's this LS, pi- you know, pulling up. I'm like, damn, I don't remember the last time I've ever seen one on the road. I see uh, a few of them here and there. I drove. Yeah. VLS, I don't know, two years ago, it was like the last 460 F Sport. And right. it was it was actually, it was very nice, but actually what fucked me up was I drove the ES right afterwards. And because of the ES's front-wheel drive architecture, it had more room in the back seat than the LS. And I was like, oh, well, that that's weird because the LS is like 90,000 and the ES is 50. And I think the title of my video was like the biggest problem with the LS is the ES, so something like that. <laughs> right. uh, the ES F Sport was shockingly good. It was very very nice. That could be a good isolation chamber car that. too. The Lexus yeah. ES, yeah. Um, what was the price point again for that? Under fifty, new or used. Yeah, yeah. That's I. I think you're right. I think Lexus is the the only yeah. place you go. For. And if you go used, you want the Lexus because. The other ones will break, and you'll have to visit a mechanic, and then you're not isolated. You have to talk to people. Yeah. Um, Wesley Torgerson, now that we can talk about the Nissan Z, which I completely forgot to talk about today, and we can talk about that on the next crew show, uh, assuming the new Supra will come with a manual, would you take it over the new Z? 
Did you drive? Did you drive Z spin? No. Oh. I didn't go on that. So, so I I forgot to make a comparison to the Supra in my Z video because it's hard to remember everything at once, and I only alluded to it in my written piece for Road and Track, which everyone should go read. But like, I I made the point I wanted to make, which is when you're buying a sports car, the most important thing is the character of the car, right? That's more important than the numbers. It's more important than than really almost anything else. I mean, it's got to work. It can't be a complete hunk of shit. But besides that, the character of the car is more important than whether it's faster or slower than this other car or whatever. And in my opinion, the Nissan is a fucking Nissan. Like, it celebrates the heritage of Nissan in stylistic ways, in uh, in dynamic ways, when you drive it, it feels like a Nissan. It sounds like a Nissan. It be it, it's like it's a proud Nissan. It's not necessarily an, an all new vehicle. The the platform itself carries over, although there's a lot new. Um, but like it celebrates the heritage of Nissan, whereas the Supra is so obviously a BMW. That's just worse than the BMW version. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it's a fucking BMW. Like, they didn't even change the font on the screens. Like, it is, everything about it feels like a BMW, but a BMW that's worse than the 2 Series. And so, uh, yeah. that, like, that to me, and like, same thing with the 86. Like, I wouldn't buy the Toyota version. I'd buy the Subaru version, because when you drive one, you're like, well, this is a Subaru straight fucking up this is a subaru and so like the nissan like it's better than the supra because it's actually a nissan and the toyota is not actually a toyota so that's so that's so interesting it's like you know when we they talk about it in terms of dna right they always say well the dna of this car and the dna of that car but like yeah. ultimately you know as long as it hits a certain baseline of dynamic tuning that you enjoy right that you that you feel comfortable in and and you feel like you can control um yeah you want it to feel like the the company like that you're part of this kind of you know uh you know uh uh what do you call it like like, like a le legacy of yeah like who the fuck buys a toyota because what they really want is a bmw that's not that doesn't make any sense at all so right and that's the you're right, and that's a tricky thing. And I think that when companies are starting to talk about how to work together uh, to reduce the cost of producing something that they they want to produce, right? I mean, uh, they've got to really, really consider that hard, and much harder than let's say BMW and Toyota thought of it. Um, may, maybe around where Toyota and Subaru thought of it. I mean, but that's that's a really big deal. I mean, that's going to happen more, and I'm sure that. You know, Mazda will be doing something like that at some point, or you know. Um, well, and I, I, I don't know about you, but I care about it way less in a five-passenger middle-of-the-road crossover. Yeah. You know, I didn't give a shit. My mom had a Mercury Villager, right? That was the same thing as the Nissan Quest. I didn't really give a shit 
about that. Right. But a, a sports car is an emotional purchase. Mm-hmm. You need to make a connection to it. It's it's much more important than that that you can make a connection to the lineage of the brand and how it feels and looks and behaves than it is that, oh, this is a reliable engine that makes 300 horsepower, so we're just going to use it. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. from the wrong you know, axis of evil country. Yeah, uh, good point. <laughs> but um, so that's what's more important to me. I mean, I, I dynamically the Supra and the Z are pretty interchangeable. You got to be a really, really good driver, you know, to to really feel the difference between the Supra and the Z. And you got to drive them back to back. I drove a Supra two years ago. I I can't tell you if the Z is better than the Supra today. Because I, and and I, if we could do a comparison, that might be fun. When the stick comes out, maybe we can get them both at the same time. Like that'd be cool. Um, the Z is an excellent product. It's worth the money they're asking for it. Um, they've done a very nice job. It's it's got a bunch of good stuff in it, but not too much. It's not too gimmicky or hokey. They haven't overteched it. Um, it could be a little lighter, but it's not. It's got enough power to move itself around pretty good. I think Camisa or somebody ran a ran low fours, zero to sixty, yep. and mid high twelves in the quarter. Like totally acceptable. That feels like a quick car, but um, the Z is is much more pure of mission and pure of of DNA. And I think that's. I agree with Nissan that that is worth something. You know, they even said at the launch, like, we could have had an all-new platform, but it would be some kind of twin with something else, and we didn't want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably fucking right. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, last one before we get out of here. Ivan Capote wants to know, recommendations for automotive books that are both entertaining and informative. Anything Ooh. on the shelf, Spin? Yeah. Um, I don't, <clears throat> you know... I don't know if if you're if you're super nerdy. How to build a car by Adrian Newey is kind of neat. Oh. I like I like hearing about how guys like Newey came up in the world and um, and were sort of like what got them to the point where they could design a an amazing Formula One car or even something like the Valkyrie or whatever. Mm. Um, so that one I, I recommend highly. Uh, I know I have some other shit around. Oh, well, this is just for total uh lotus nerds colin chapman inside the innovator there's this is one where i'm a big fan of of this This is when when you interview spinelli in his closet he's got the books fucking handy (laughs) got all kinds of shit around here um i don't know you you go and then i mean i've i it's it's highly uh politically incorrect but i like uh pj o'rourke driving like crazy um, I like Cannonball, you know, the, the story of the original Cannonball run by Brock Yates, I think is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 I mean, I've been talking about unsafe at any speed recently uh, because I think it's it's not funny. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny in a kind of dark way how yeah. fucked, you know, how fucked uh, up the American car industry was and in some ways still is. Um, yeah. It's there's a lot to learn from that. Um, uh uh, entertaining and informative. I've heard I mean, very good things. There's a new book out by David Tuig, and it's all about uh, oh, the yeah. process of building a car, kind of like Adrian Newey, but like what goes on between uh, designers and engineers, and why is it so difficult to build cars today? And yeah. it's it's waitlisted on Amazon I, for the U.S., but I've heard it's really. I great. forgot the name. Zach, what was the name of that one? Because I forgot. Uh, I will. Find is that is it. Bob Lutz's book "Car Guys vs. Bean Counters"? Is that about? Is that or is that just a phrase? Is that is an I actual? 
I picture that being an actual book he wrote, but I think I might it's have also book. just made that up. Is it? It's a book, and I didn't. I I I got. I have it on Kindle, but I have. I don't think I've read it. Um, I just read a book that I fucking hate. I didn't. I thought I would like uh, John Taffer, the bar rescue guy. I thought I would like his yeah. book, The Power of Conflict. I didn't yeah. like it, actually. No. <laughs> I didn't. What's that? What are you holding up? I, I can't really see. It. Sorry, I keep. It's the. It's uh. Um. It's about uh, racing uh, in for in Grand Prix on the you know Formula One in the early '60s and how deadly it was. What I'm, you, know, you, you broke up a little bit in the title there. What's the title? Oh, sorry. It's called The Limit. The Limit. Who's it by? Uh, Michael Cannell. Okay, cool. All right. And, Check uh, that out. If you, if you were ever uh, interested in that era of Formula One where so many people were being killed and like what keeps you going when like that whole crazy era um, before the safety innovations that came yeah. next. Uh, it's incredible. Anyway, that's also the documentary one, just the number one yeah, is about really that yeah. same thing. And it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, this Zach's is book, book Mike, was called Inside the Machine. Inside oh, yeah. the Machine. That just came out like a month ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, also, I talk of- about it a lot, but the Tom Vanderbilt book, it's just called Traffic, which I've read uh, twice. And if you, if you want to know... <laughs> why Elon Musk is a fucking idiot. All you have to do is read the book about traffic and why neither tunnels nor autonomous cars will remotely solve that problem. <laughs> um, all right, Spin. That's uh, sure. it's, uh, been good having you. I hope you... Oh, uh, likewise. I hope you exit your quarantine uh, at great haste. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it the uh, the yeoman's uh, shot. I don't know. I, I feel much better. Um, good. Did you get yeah, the Paxlovid? Still- Pax Lovid? No, I I uh, I didn't. I I figured I was already a couple of days past uh, when you're supposed to get it. I don't know. I mean, I feel much better. Good. Um, but it's one of those things that it drags, and you're just like, come on, enough already. Yeah, you're but, like, I'm um, I'm done now, and uh, I'm done. <laughs> I got the packs. I got the packs. It's good. How? Yeah. How did did it? Uh, was it immediate? Was it? Four, uh, just yeah, gonna... dude. Four four days. I was better. Really? Yeah, this yeah. shit's legit. Yeah, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Paxlovid is the drug that you take when you get COVID, and uh, you have to ask your doctor about it. And not not everybody gets it because my wife, who also had COVID, got turned down for it. I got wow. it not uh, not because of my privilege, but I got it because uh, because I have high blood pressure, which uh, made me somehow at risk. So they approved uh, me. Yeah. So being uh, less healthy helped me. <laughs> Get get better faster. <laughs> well, that's nice so, to yeah. hear. Yeah, so I got a, I had a booster last week or the week before, and then I got the packs, so I got uh, I got through it pretty quick. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I, got I am like ox. <laughs> I, am like, I am strong like ox. I have super <laughs> immune system. All right, spin. All Follow right. Mike Very Spinelli on on the gram. Read his uh, his piece with uh, Sebastian Vettel on the drive. Very good. You got yeah, anything? You got any other, any other stories coming up? We should look out for. Uh, well, I'm do. Well, I I just turned one in um, about the, uh, the the M Coop and sort of. It's really less about the M Coop because everybody's written a lot of stuff about the M Coop, uh, the BMW M Coop. I kind of went deeper and found out why they built a roadster in the first place and and really like how the stories that we tell each other like on shows such as this um like there's no such thing as car enthusiasm about the stories so um that was excellent 
but I'm and I'm doing more stuff. So I'm doing a column called Wheel Spin. Um, that's a good name. Kind of, I like that name. On the nose. No, that's yeah. a good name. I like that name a lot. Names are very Thank important. You. Yeah, it's good. Names are important. They are. Yeah. Um, so that cool. and wherever else, well, where, wherever uh, fine bullshit is sold. Yeah. <laughs> All right, come back and see us soon, buddy. We we'll do. Uh, are we going to have a cruise show in between now and Friday, Zach? I think we will. We will have a cruise show in between now and Friday, and then on Friday we've got the founders of Braymont Watches, uh, Nick and Giles English, uh, coming to studio. Real car enthusiasts. They're a title sponsor of Williams Formula One also, which is very interesting. Um, normally we don't do what's what I call the Noah's Arcade here, where you have the sponsor uh, you know, on the program, um, but they're no longer a sponsor. And I met these guys at the bike shed opening, and they were cool as fuck. And I said, yeah, come on the show and talk about cars and what it's like to sponsor a Formula One team. It's an interesting story. So thanks, Ben. Uh, see sure. you soon, buddy. Uh, yes, as Zach as Zach awkwardly lingers on the Spinelli shot for oh, the end that, of the show. Oh, has that been me? This is all I, yeah, sorry. Oh, just for the last day. just for the last twenty minutes or so, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, folks. See you later.